You're listening to the sermon podcast of North Valley Baptist Church. This week's message is preached by Pastor Scott McGrady. You take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs 4. Proverbs 4, we'll be looking at verses 20 through 27. Proverbs 4, verses 20 through 27. And as you turn there, let us us look to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you for our time that we can look to your word together. And I pray, Lord, that your spirit would teach us, would grow us in how we are to walk in your truths, Uh, that your Spirit would teach us in in seeking wisdom, knowing that wisdom comes from you and you alone, and that, Father, you would glorify yourself in us in this time, that you set our heart's desire on you and seeing you lifted up in everything that we say and do. So, Father, we praise you and we thank you that we have the privilege of of looking to your Word together. I thank you, Lord, and ask all this in Christ's precious name. Amen. As you turn there to Proverbs 4, when I was uh, going to Indiana for uh, biblical counseling training, uh, one illustration that they would give, I thought it is really helpful, and I think it's helpful as, as we see different things come out of us, specifically different sins come out. And I think as, as that happens sometimes, if we find ourselves having anger, our lust, deceit, uh, jealousy, and we see these things come out of us, it can be easy for us to blame external things. To look at things outside of us and say, see, that's, that's why I did what I did. If that was not the case, if this wasn't the circumstance, then it would have never happened. Uh, we can do that sometimes. And that can be our tendency. And, and so, for example, and, and these are things I've actually heard, a, a husband could say, You know, if my wife would just be ready on time to go out the door, then I wouldn't get angry. And in turn, she could say, well, if my husband would just help get the kids ready to get out the door, then I could get ready to get out the door, and then I wouldn't get angry. Or two, a man could attempt to excuse his lust by saying, you know, if that that billboard wasn't there going down 81, then... I would have been fine. Or, or if that store wasn't there, uh, you know, going through the mall on the way to Boscov's, then, you know, I'd be okay. You know, we could point to these external things. And sure, those situations may have revealed sin, may have, in a sense, brought it out. But why did sin come out? If I have this bottle of water, which I do have it, obviously, it's right here. And, uh, If when I went to take a drink of this bottle of water, this is the illustration, by the way, that I was referring to. And if, we'll say, Ellie comes running up here, and just as I go to take a drink, she bumps my arm and water spills everywhere. Why did water spill out of the water bottle? I could say, well, because she hit my arm. If she didn't hit my arm, water wouldn't have spilled out. Okay, there's a sense where there's some truth in that. But when she hit my arm, why did water come out of the water bottle? Why not, I don't know, lemonade? And so, sure, her hitting my arm 
brought out the water, and in, in, in that sense, revealed the water. But the question still remains, why did water come out? Well, water came out of the water bottle because water was in the bottle. If there wasn't water in the bottle, water would not have come out. In the same way, there can be different things that reveal our sin, bring our sin out, but really the reason anger came out is because anger is what was already in our hearts. The reason lust came out, or bitterness, or deceit, and, or jealousy, is because those things were already what was in our hearts. You know, James tells us that when we're tempted, we're tempted by the desires that are already in us. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15, verse 19, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. And what we see in our text here for this morning is that from the heart flows the springs of life. All the living out of our lives, whether in wickedness and folly or in holiness and wisdom, it all comes from what is inside our hearts. So as we come to this text this morning, as we, we look at this this section in Proverbs chapter 4. We see that Solomon is again addressing his son. Uh, but as you look through this chapter, specifically in the beginning of the chapter, we see it's not just his son, uh, not just one son, likely the one who would be succeeding him on his father David's throne, Rehoboam. But again, at the beginning of this chapter, we see he's addressing his sons, plural. Uh, but then it switches to the singular, my son. And so specifically addressing that one son, I guess, again, probably, most likely, Rehoboam. And you read through this, it would seem that Solomon has an urgency that his sons would receive wisdom and keep wisdom and live out wisdom. There's an urgency to this for Solomon. You know, we live in a culture that is set on the idea that children should take their merry old time in growing up. That a boy should remain a boy for as long as is possible. Even if he's a boy in his mid-thirties, still living at home with his parents with no desire to get a job or make a living and build a family and take on real responsibility. And I know there are circumstances, but I'm saying those who have no desire to take on responsibility, but are happy to just play video games while their mother does their laundry. And our culture promotes such thinking. Now, there is an aspect where we do not want our children to grow up too fast. That is right and good. Uh, we do not want our, our little children to lose their childlike innocence but as far as maturity, as far as hard, being hardworking and responsible in wisdom, the Bible would tell us to speed our children along to grow up as fast as they can. That they should sprint to manhood and womanhood. And so we see this urgency with Solomon here in chapter 4. And here in verses 4 through 9, it would seem that Solomon is quoting what his father told him. 
that he is now encouraging his sons with in order that they would heed their father's words and get wisdom, to see wisdom as desirable. And she, wisdom, will then protect those who are loyal to her. Wisdom is to be seen as so precious that she is worth the effort to obtain and will confer many blessings on the one who has her. And in verse 10, Solomon again urges his son, singular, to heed his words. And if he will, then wisdom will convey on him a long life. Just like we mentioned last week, in general, uh, the one who lives with wisdom will have a long, healthy life. In general. So that's, that's barring the unknown and the exception to the rule. But in general, one who lives with wisdom will steer clear of vices and destructive behavior and careless acts that would affect them even physically. And as we see in Proverbs chapter 4, for sure there are two paths which we can choose to live on. Either the path of light, of holy living, or the path on which a life is lived on the dark paths, in the way of the wicked. And so that, that brings us up to this point that we are focusing in on, uh, on Proverbs 4. So let's, let's read together. Again, Proverbs 4, verses 20 through 27. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Now, as we see here in verse 20, Psalm once again is calling his son to heed his words. And he insists on undivided attention to his words that his son must listen closely. Demanding this of his son emphasizes the importance of what he has said and what he's about to say next. And in verse 21, he urges his son to not let these wise words escape his sight. And therefore, he's to keep these instructions in his heart. In other words, the thing Solomon was telling his son was so important that he was to continue to think on them. He was to meditate on them, to keep them in the forefront of his mind. And, and that's what God's word calls us to. That's what God's word calls for to heed godly wisdom found in his word and meditate on it so that we would not walk in the paths of darkness in the ways of the wicked, but that we would walk in wisdom in the paths of light. That we would know God's word, desire God's word, and meditate on God's word. Right? In 1 Peter chapter 2, he said that we should crave God's word like an infant craves milk, pure milk. 
We should set our mind on such things and, and think on such things. We read in Psalm 1, verses 1 through 2, it says, Bless is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. In Psalm 119, verse 11, he says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. In verses 15 and 16, we read, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. And of Psalm 119, verses 97 to 99, we read, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. And what we see here in the fourth chapter of Proverbs is Solomon urging his son to be faithful to wisdom and to keep her. And the motivation of the wisdom that is found in his instructions to keep it and to hold to it and to not let it out of his sight, the motivation is found there in verse 22. When he says, For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Uh, not that right living, not that living in wisdom will keep one from getting sick or keep one from getting injured or, or completely secure someone from any kind of foul play. But the truth is that living out wisdom will keep one from the things that are of dire consequence to harm someone's life. That it will keep you from the, the negative consequences of one's bad choices because you're not making bad choices when you're living in wisdom. Again, we discussed last week the physical and mental effect that guilt and shame can have on one. Or, or the different uh, consequences there are to vices and destructive behavior and bad habits. Walking in wisdom would avoid those things. So, in being clear, though, this is not like uh, those, uh, how... how the word of faith or name it and claim it crowds would, would point to this verse to say, see, it's always God's will for you to be healthy and wealthy. Now, that, that's not what this passage is saying. That's not what this is about. But this is saying that when we live in wisdom, in general, like we've been saying, we take the Proverbs as general truths. When we live this way, in general, life will go better, including our physical health. But to live wise, we must keep that wisdom. Keep it before us. Keep it in our sight. Keep it in our hearts. Meditate on godly wisdom, storing it up in our hearts. And, and so, as we walk in wisdom and godliness, we, we build a character. Our, our, our character, our inner being, is, is uh, one of wisdom and, and a godly character. And verse 23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance. Or the New American Standard Bible puts it, uh, watch over your heart with all diligence. Or the Christian Standard Bible says, guard your heart above all else. And the idea of keeping your heart is the idea of protecting your heart. Again, so watch over or guard. And the idea of the heart is the idea of the inner person. It's the core of who you are. 
This speaks to your inner life, to your, your thought life, your desires and your motives. You must guard your thought life. You must guard your desires and your motives from being corrupted with that which is unwise. And so therefore, we have to be careful about what we let in. And I think that's especially true in our day, right? I mean, with the internet, uh, with, uh, you know, you have all these streaming services where you can have these shows and movies, uh, where you have all the, the social media and all the different voices and things that are, are said there. You have uh, articles and, and just sound bites of, of media and uh, news that can all uh, affect us, affect us at our very core. We've got to be careful about these things, that we're careful about what we, we take in in our lives, that we've got to be diligent to guard our hearts, that we would not let wisdom escape our sight, or that we would not keep wise instructions in our hearts. Again, here in verse 23, as, as I'm reading from the English Standard Version, It says, keep your heart with all vigilance. Or the New American Standard Bible says, with all diligence. And the idea here is that you would guard your heart like your life depends on it. Because it does. Again, if if there is life in wisdom, then there's death in folly. And we've discussed uh, the deadliness of sin. To allow sin to control your life to allow it to gain a foothold, to indulge in it and refuse to repent, it's deadly to your soul. And so for the sake of your soul, you must repent, turn from your sin, and trust in your Lord. Keep your heart with all vigilance. That is to say, make it your top priority to protect your heart, which I think is exactly what the Christian Standard Bible is getting across when it says, guard your heart above all else. Top priority, like your life depends on it. And so dwell on and meditate on wise counsel. Dwell on and meditate on the truths of God's word. Be careful to filter out what will corrupt your character, what will corrupt your thought life and your desires. The old adage is true. Garbage in, garbage out. So if you're taking in garbage, what's going to come out of your life is going to be garbage. Got to guard our hearts. So if you're looking at your life and, and there's particular sin that you are struggling to see defeated in your life, well, one thing to ask is, is, what kind of things are you dwelling on? What are you thinking on? What, what kind of things are you taking in? What are you allowing your eyes to see? Or what are you entertaining yourself with? What do you dwell on? Are you keeping wise instruction in your sight? Are you meditating on them, keeping such wise instructions in your heart? Or are you allowing many other voices and temptations to speak in to your inner self. It's vital to guard your heart with the top priority. It's vital to guard your heart as if your life depends on it. For again, the end of verse 23 says, for from it flow the springs of life. 
your heart, your inner person, your thinking, your desires and motive. It is what all of your living flows out of. Are you a person that worries? Are you a person that's always anxious, never content with where you're at, and have trouble trusting the Lord in your circumstances? What's coming out of you, again, can indicate what's going on, does indicate what's going on in your heart. I remember listening to Todd Friel, and he would talk about, you know, with even Fox News, how you always have these alerts, these, these Fox News alerts, and now everything's just, oh, it's right now, and it's so terrible, and ah, and it just gets our blood pumping, and we're all just anxious about everything. And as we always take these things in, again, not, seeing, not saying don't, don't be informed, be informed, although I, I do think of uh, the Mark Twain quote, right? If, if you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you read the newspaper, you're misinformed. <laughs> I think there's still truth to that. (laughs) So we got to be careful, though, how much of things we're taking in and and the source of what we're taking in. How does that affect our hearts? If we're even taking in news, even where we can trust the source, if we're taking in too much, it's going to have an effect. We need to be careful to guard our hearts because out of it flows the spring of life. What are we taking in? If our inner person is corrupt and lacks wisdom, then our whole living will be corrupt and will lack wisdom. If you get your drinking water from a well, what happens if that well becomes contaminated? Then all of the water out of that well will be contaminated, will it not? It's the same thing with our hearts. If our hearts are corrupt, if they're contaminated, everything that comes out is going to be corrupt and contaminated. And so it's true if we say that as the heart goes, so goes the rest of our life. And I think this is clearly seen in the rest of the text, the fact that it goes, there goes our our whole life along with that is, as we see, Solomon metaphorically refers to various parts of the body. And so he does address outward change here in these verses. But change must start in the heart. If all we strive for is outward change, is, is for behavior modification, without addressing the heart, then we're never going to have real change. I think this is a mistake that we often see in parenting, where we just want to correct our children's behavior. We want to make them act the way we want them to act for whatever reason, but, but we just address that behavior. We address what they're doing without ever addressing the heart, and that's a problem. We're not going to see true change and true behavior modification if we're just trying to address the external. I mean, that's the problem with much of society today. It's always just going after the external, just what we see on the outside, and ignores the heart behind the things that are going on. And we need to address the heart. That's where true change happens. And if we don't address the heart, whatever change does occur will be superficial, and it won't last, or at best it will be hypocritical. But it will not be true change. But once the heart is addressed, then we can address outward behavior. And after the heart, the first part 
Solomon addresses is the mouth. What are the things we say? Again, where do the things we say come from? Jesus said in Matthew 12, verse 34, that what comes out of our mouths is the overflow of our hearts, right? So here we see one is to remove crooked and devious talk from their mouths. We should be a people, if we are God's people, we should be a people who others can trust what we say. That our words are always spoken with integrity. Not seeking to hide truth in order to keep ourselves out of trouble or in order to paint ourselves in a better light than we actually should be seen in. To make ourselves look better. We should also avoid half-truths. Right? I think it's true when they say that half-truths are no truths at all. When we bend the truth, or we navigate our speaking in such a way, we're not really lying, but we're, we're trying to motivate things according to how we want them to go. That we may give arguments that we don't fully adhere to or, or adhere to at all, but we're, we're, we have an agenda that we're trying to succeed at, and so we're going to say whatever we have to. That's not okay. That shouldn't be how we are. We must be striving to put away deception and half-truths. In verse 25, Solomon returns the idea of paths. And to remain straight on the path, one must keep their eyes on the goal. One must focus their eyes straight ahead. I know this isn't exactly walking on a path, but I think it helps, you know, when we take the kids to ride their bikes and, and teaching Luke specifically how to ride his bike, he has a tendency to look down at his feet and watch his pedals. And then what happens? Say, so, no, Luke, you've got you to keep looking ahead. Keep your eyes focused on where you're going. Don't look down at your feet. Look ahead. Because every time he, he looks down at his feet, he wobbles and, and he crashes. You've got to keep focused on where you're going, on what the goal is. And what is righteous? What is wise? What are the things that are pleasing to God? They're the, they're, that's where we need to focus our gaze. It's vital to discipline where we look. That we would not be distracted from the path with temptations that would cause us to fall off the path. So we need to set our gaze on wisdom that is from God. Focus on our attention on what pleases him. Now, telling Luke to not look down at his feet when he's pedaling does not mean that he should pay no attention to what his feet are doing. That he needs to be thinking, are, are my feet going in the same direction? Where, where are my feet as they set on the pedals? If he's not paying attention to that, then he's got potential for his feet to slip off the pedals, and there can be then all kinds of crashing and, and scraping of the knees and elbows. He wears pads, and he's got a helmet. You know, we're, we're, it's all good, but you get my point. And what does Solomon tell his son? Verse 26, Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. We need to be thinking on what paths we are setting our feet. Again, there are two paths that we can really walk down, or two kinds of paths. 
the path of light and holy living on which we walk in pleasing the Lord, or the path of darkness, which is the way of the wicked. We must consider the path on which we set our feet and know whether we are walking in wisdom or walking in sin. And to remain on the path of light, we must discipline ourselves to walk without distraction, not turning to the right or to the left, where temptation will lead us astray. Instead, Solomon says at the end of verse 27, turn your foot away from evil. Being distracted and turning to the left or the right, we, we can end up walking right into evil. But no, we're to turn our foot away from evil. or to avoid those places of temptation, avoid those, those areas of weakness as we pay attention to the paths in which we set our feet on and how we walk. Turn your foot from evil. And this is what we're called to. For us who belong to God, this is our responsibility. Matter of fact, we see throughout this chapter, and, and nonetheless, the, the, the section we're specifically focusing on, but we see commands here. Again, he says, keep your heart with all vigilance, or, or put away from you crooked speech. Ponder the path of your feet. But we're responsible to do these things. We're commanded to. Yet at the same time, there is no way that you and I are actually going to do any of this on our own. There's no way that any of us in of ourselves are actually going to keep our feet on the right path and to walk in wisdom in of ourselves. Because you and I in of ourselves have hearts that are deceitful and wicked beyond cure. Right? That's what Jeremiah says. You and I are born in sin. <laughs> Actually, it's worse than that. Uh, David said in Psalm 51, verse 5, In sin did my mother conceive me. Not only are we born in sin, we're conceived as sinners. Our nature in Adam is a sinful nature. By nature, our hearts are corrupt. Ephesians 2 tells us that we are dead in our sins and our trespasses in which we walked. That's who we are. In of ourselves, we cannot change our behavior because our behavior comes from a corrupt heart, from a wicked heart. And so where this change must begin for you and I sitting here today this change must begin with the gospel. We can do all we want to address external behavior, but it is the gospel that changes lives. It is the gospel that changes hearts. Even as we look at society today, and there's all these things we want to see change in, and we see all the things that we, we rail against and we complain against, and, and I get it. Trust me, I'm, I'm, I'm there. But what really is going to bring about the change? As we go out into the world, we proclaim Jesus Christ. It has to start with the gospel. And so change in my life starts with the gospel, as in yours. We recognize that before the holy God, we are wretched sinners. That we have no good in us. 
We have no reason to stand before God and not be judged and condemned. Again, Ephesians 2 says that we're children of wrath. That's who we are by nature. If we recognize that and therefore understand we need a Savior, as we look to his law and see that we've broken his law at every point, we have not kept God first in our lives. We have not, we, we have taken his name in vain. We've lied to others. We've been jealous of what others have and not been grateful for what we have. To the God who gave us life, who gave us breath. We've committed, as R.C. Sproul said, cosmic treason against our creator. We deserve death. And we recognize that. We see that in his law. We know we need a Savior, and Jesus Christ is the only Savior, and we flee to him. Flee to him whom God sent, God who loved the world in such a way that he sent his one and only Son. That he came to give his life as a ransom for many. To pay the price for our sin. To take on the justice and wrath of on himself in the place of all who'd believe on him. That he would die the death we deserve to die, but not stay dead. Rise again victorious over our sin and death. To bring us eternal life when we believe. That's where the change begins. That's where we need to start. We start with the gospel of Jesus Christ because that's what changes the heart. Where God has promised in the power of his spirit to regenerate us, to make us alive with Christ, right? That's, that's, again, back to Ephesians 2. You are dead in your trespasses and sins. You're children of wrath. You're following the ways of the, 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 the prince of the air. That's who we are. All gloom and doom, nothing but despair. And then you get to verse 4, but God. But God, who is rich in mercy. What did he do? Verse 5, he made us alive with Christ. The regenerating work of the Holy Spirit, as promised in Ezekiel in the Old Testament, that he would remove our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh, that he would write his law on our hearts and give us his spirit, right? That's true change, empowered to live for him, desire to know him. And so then we are called then to live out that change, to live out this new life in Jesus Christ. And so live in wisdom. To meditate on God's word. And notice here in our text in Proverbs, the call to wisdom includes our entire selves. Again, in everything Solomon talks about here, he refers to the mouth, the eyes, our feet. The whole self is to be taken up in wisdom that flows from a new heart, a new mind, a new way of thinking with new desires to please God. Energized and motivated by the gospel. That's how we are to live. So we must strive to keep watch over our hearts. Whatever sin we still find in our outliving, recognize that it's still sin that that has remained in our hearts. And so we seek to kill whatever sin remains. But even that, again, we can't do it on our own. We have to look to God and depend upon God. Look to his word. Be praying to him. That we would have wisdom in our living. What, what does he say in James? If anyone lacks wisdom, what should we do? Ask. Right? And when we ask, we need to believe, knowing that it's his will for us to have wisdom. We need to believe that he's given us what we ask for. 
Otherwise, we're double-minded and we shouldn't expect to get anything from God. We have to believe that he hears our prayers and he, he grants us what he says he'll give us. And so turn around, look to his word, seek his wisdom there, and live it out. As we believe he's given us that. Live by faith in the truth of his word. Live in the power of the Holy Spirit as we depend upon him day by day to walk on the path of light that please God as he has changed our heart and continues to change us, continues to conform us to the likeness of Christ from the inside out. That we who are trusting in Christ, who've been bought by his blood, who know his great salvation, would live in response to please God, to walk in wisdom. And therefore, as we live, we want to keep wisdom and wise instructions in our sight. Keep them ever before us, treasuring them in our hearts, as we keep watch over our hearts with vigilance, like our lives depend on it. For from it flows the springs of life. From our hearts flow every outliving. If our heart is corrupt, the living out of our lives will be corrupt. But as we grow in holiness, as he conforms us more and more into the image of Christ, we will live out more and more in the image of Christ in that which pleases our God. Are you keeping watch over your heart? Are you guarding your heart? Are you protecting your heart? Are we helping our kids? Are we doing our part to watch over their hearts and protect their hearts? We've got to keep our hearts. If we want to please our God and walk in wisdom, let's seek to have a pure heart. Let's seek and ask, as David does at the end of Psalm 139, to search me and know if there's any wrong way in me. That God would reveal that and we would repent of it as we seek to walk in wisdom. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of North Valley Baptist Church. For the complete sermon archive and more information about the church, please go to visit nbbc.com.